Come now, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful who have gathered here and across time and space out of love for you. And may my words and our hearts together glorify you. O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I'm in a sermon, three, three Sunday sermon series. We did one last week. We're doing one this week and one next week called uh, Thanking Through It. Not thinking through it, thanking through it, which is all about thanksgiving and gratitude. So how appropriate for this week. Perhaps you remember the more traditional reading of this text. I'm going to read it for you. Make a joyful noise to God, all the earth. Serve God with gladness. Come into God's presence with singing. Know that it is God who made us, and we are God's. We are God's people and the sheep of God's pasture. Enter God's gates with thanksgiving and God's courts with praise. Give thanks to God. Bless God's name. For God is good. God's steadfast love endures forever, and God's faithfulness to all generations. I... um. One of the very first, one of the very first scripture texts that I memorized. Well, maybe not. Maybe Jesus wept was the first. <laughs> so this morning, as we begin, I want to ask you to think of a time when you've experienced complete joy. Roll those tapes back. For some of us, we have to roll back a little further than others. When you experienced complete joy. I didn't think of many times, but as I prepared this sermon today, I thought of one that was just so extraordinary for me. Um, I was a closeted lesbian uh, serving a United Methodist Church in College Station, Texas. It was a big college church right uh, off the campus of Texas A&M University. And so I lived in a little bit of fear because the Methodists, and they still have not resolved their feelings about, uh, about the LGBTQIA plus community. But I just believed that if I was good enough, if I worked hard enough, if I prayed enough, if I was kind enough and generous enough that people at my church might just overlook this one little thing about me that I was hiding. So after I was ordained, I remember the very first Easter Sunday at that church. We had lots of worship services. We had a 7 a.m. worship service that the youth did, and then we had a 9 a.m. early service, and then we had a 10 a.m. contemporary service, and then we had a 11 a.m. Uh, formal service and I remember that day as we finished uh, my path uh, back to my office was through the senior pastor's office because that's where we dropped off our microphones and so I went walking through there and I just was just so filled with joy I just couldn't contain it and I said oh God thank you thank you for this thank you for this opportunity thank you for bringing me here Please let me stay. I was so filled with joy. Well, you know the rest of the story. I didn't get to stay. Uh, I got outed. And, uh, and then I found my way into the United Church of Christ. 
my adoptive family, my adoptive faith family loved me exactly as I was and am. So I found that joy again, but I will never forget that Easter Sunday after I had finally been ordained. It was pure and complete, wrapped joy. So what's your story? I also remember uh, when we went to Galveston to celebrate Stephanie's 50th birthday. Seems like a lot of our friends had their 50th birthday during COVID <laughs> in 2020, and Stephanie was one of those. And so we took family and uh, went down to Galveston. It was a happy place for us. We could sit outside and have company come and be relatively safe being outside and everything. And at the time, we were fostering two boys, Emmanuel and Xavier. I don't remember their age now, where, how old they were when we went down there. Uh, but they were young, and, and they had never been to the beach. They had never seen the Gulf of Mexico. They had never seen the ocean. And so... When we got down there, we couldn't get down to the beach fast enough, and those boys went running, just unabashedly filled with joy, running and jumping. And if you'll turn, you, you all in here, if you all turn and look back at the, at the screen, you can see that they're up in the air. <laughs> you know, they are up in the air. They are so filled with joy. And, and they don't even know why, really. It was that they had never experienced anything like that in their entire life. And that was almost as good as the night of Stephanie's birthday when we had her party and we all started singing that song. What was that song? It's about dancing. Shut up and dance with me. And so we're all in that house, you know, singing, shut up and dance with me. And just complete joy complete and utter joy so anyway I threw that in I didn't need to say that I guess but <laughs> and the scripture we just heard reminds us to bring a gift of laughter sing yourselves into God's presence and instructs us very clearly thank God now sometimes we use that expression because we're feeling that somehow God looked on us and we, everything turned out okay. Thank God. But this text calls us to thank God, which is a kind of different expression. It is interesting to me that the lectionary reading assignments for ordinary time, the very first Sunday of ordinary time, uses this Psalm 100. Next Sunday, which is Christ the reign of Christ Sunday, which is the end of the church year, uses this scripture again. I'm using it today because we're coming up on Thanksgiving. And, and yet, it is such an important text that frames how we are to approach God. Psalm 100 is the last of the songs of what are called the enthronement psalms. So... The enthronement psalms are those which claim that Yahweh is God, not only of Israel, 
but of all nations and all people and all of the creation and all of the cosmos. There are hints of royalty in this psalm. You don't hear it so much in the message paraphrase as you do in the original text. Enter God's gates with thanksgiving and God's courts with praise. There's that language of kingship, right? Enthronement. Clearly, this is a reference to the temple in Jerusalem. But the temple was also, also considered the earthly seat of the God of the universe. Thus, enthronement. And that reference to Israel as the sheep of God's pasture echoes Psalm 23, the Psalm of David, the one that we most of us can say mostly by heart, where the psalmist picks up on the ancient Near Eastern idea that kings were supposed to be shepherds of their people. And that's how we come to understanding Jesus as a shepherd, right? Well, all that said, this psalm reminds us more clearly than most that we are to not acknowledge that God is God and we're not. And sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we think, as we are controlling our world that, that circles around us, that we have a little God in us. Well, you do have a little God in you, and I do too. But God is God, and we're not. In Psalm 100, we can also begin to hear it as a song of protest, believe it or not. It sounds simply like a song of praise. We're going to sing, we're going to laugh, we're going to praise God, but... Psalm 100 can be seen as a protest song, a countercultural psalm, something that speaks very differently to where we are in our world. So we are a clamoring culture. We are filled with competing choruses of criticism and complaining, anger and sorrow, black and white, rich and poor, Republican and Democrat and any other political party. We are a people divided. I don't need to tell you that. It's, it's all over the place. And we are a world divided. And to that, the suffering caused by natural disasters and the fear caused, called by, caused by saber-rattling sab, saber by superpowers, well, you know, there's a million reasons for all the unhappiness that grips us in the United States and in our world. But at the root of it all, I'm going to argue here, at the root of all of this is the fact that so many people are worshiping the wrong king or the wrong things. Alternately, Psalm 100 is a protest psalm, calls us to sing a new song of God, our creator and sustainer, of all creation. It is predominant, it is the predominant tone and includes that the predominant tone of our song should be joy and gladness because that focuses this our uh, focuses us on God. Right. All day long, every day of every week, we hear all kinds of noise about who and what we should pay attention to, making it tough to find joy and gladness, thanksgiving and praise. I mean, sometimes it's hard. I recently uh, read an article that criticized people of faith, particularly Jewish and Christian faith traditions, asking, 
Is your God so jealous? Is your God so insecure that God needs to be praised and thanked 24 hours a day, seven days a week? I've got a secret to tell you. It's not that God needs that praise. It's that we need to be praising and singing and giving thanks in how we move and have our being. It's about a gift God is giving us, not about us simply showering praise and thanksgiving on God because God needs it. We need it. Why? Because thanksgiving and praise for something other than ourselves because thanksgiving and praise can bring us into a deep and profound joy and, in short, transforms us. So, if you need some other reasons to praise God, in seminary, we often spoke about what is the nature of God. Have you ever, have you ever sat around and thought about that? Probably not. Only geeks like me do that. But, uh, you know, what is the nature of God? How is God manifest in the world? What is God's nature? What If we boil God down to the, the most important parts of who God is, what is God's nature, right? Well, in seminary at least, one aspect of the nature of God and that the Psalms point out often is that it is God's nature to give. Because God's nature is to be generous and good. That's the very nature of who God is. God's love, the psalmist proclaims, endures forever. And God doesn't just give us things God gives of God's self, as manifest in, for Christians at least, in God's uh, beloved, the one whom God chose, Jesus, who becomes our Christ. But it's more than just God's love that never ends. The Hebrew word translated as love in our scripture reading is a Hebrew word chesed, don't you just love how I did that? <laughs> chesed. Uh, and hesed is a multifaceted word, w- which is true with most Hebrew words. They have deep meanings that are not just one meaning. So, chesed. And this multifaceted word is sometimes translated as mercy, loving kindness, favor, and grace. And it's all of those things, and even more. In one word, the psalmist gives us an image of God to help us enter more fully into grateful worship. A God who loves us, has mercy on our sins, you know, those times when we fail, when we miss the mark of who our best selves are. And God shows us undeserved favor and is filled with loving kindness. And the best part is that it never ends. This wealth and well of love does not run dry. Richard Francis Xavier Manning, known by many of us as Brennan Manning, was an American author, ex-priest, and public speaker, and is best known for a best-selling book called The Ragamuffin Gospel. Here's what he has to say. I believe that the real difference in in the American church is not between conservatives and liberals, fundamentalists and charismatics, nor Republicans and Democrats. The real difference is between the aware and the unaware. He goes on. When somebody is aware of that love, the same love that God has for Jesus, that person is just spontaneously grateful. 
Cries of thankfulness become the dominant characteristic of their interior life, and the byproduct of gratitude is joy. We're not joyful and then become grateful. We're grateful, and that makes us joyful. Okay, do you hear that? Do you hear that? The byproduct of gratitude or thanksgiving is joy. And gratitude does not follow joy, but comes before it. It seems to me that we can make some choices here. Interestingly enough, the psalmist invites us to sing our praise. And unless you are singing in the shower, singing is something typically done in community. Church, concerts, think Taylor Swift's All Too Well. You know, when Taylor Swift sings that song, her audience doesn't just sit there. They scream it. Or Garth Brooks is getting ready to go on tour. Did y'all know that? And, and same thing. You know, when he sings, I've got, a friend, I've got friends in low places, people scream it. They don't just, I mean, they sing it with full throats. Singing is a way to build community around a central act of worship. Songs are a message, and when we sing, our minds can focus on God and what God has done. You know, when you're singing, you can't really be thinking about a lot of other things. You ha- you ha- you're thinking about the notes and the songs and the words and what it's saying. So our worries and cares can fade into the background. And gratitude can move into our souls. So I'm going to ask us to begin today. Thanking through it. Thanking God. In these troubled times. So today. Today. Homework assignment. Write down five things for which you are grateful. And then. What today specifically can you say. God thank you for blank. Let's do this every day this week, even past Thanksgiving. And as we come to Advent, we will be prepared to meet God who comes to us as an infant. Y'all know my dad, Papa Hutt. I talk about him a lot. He was one of the most joyful people I've ever met in my life. And he had a lot of reasons not to be. He was in the worst parts of World War II. We just watched Band of Brothers the other day. And uh, he was in that kind of the worst parts of World War II. Um, But he would tell you that he had a wife that loved him and he loved and three beautiful daughters. He eventually had two grandchildren, three really, when you count Sydney. And, uh, well, three, four, five. Five when you count my sister Sue's boys. So... um, But he was joyful all the time and he would say... I'm going to pray about everything. I'm just going to pray about everything. I'm going to pray that I hit that golf ball and it goes right in that cup over there. Or when my mother would lose her rings, he'd say, I'm just going to pray. I'm going to pray to find those rings. He would pray about everything. He would pray about his sorrows. He would pray about the children at the school where he was a, a junior high principal. He would pray for his teachers. He prayed about everything and all the time and was probably among the most joyous people I have ever known in my life. And what he would say is this. I'm going to pray about everything. And most of the time I believe God's going to answer my prayers. But when God doesn't, I'm going to say thank you anyway. That's the posture in which we enter this life with God. 
And if you're looking for joy, you can start with gratitude and thanksgiving. Amen. Amen. Thanks be to God. Amen.